want to sing a little something that I guess you know because you heard her playing on it a little bit. This song is not one of the oldies. In fact, I'm older than this song. Some of you are older than this song, too. But uh, in 1973, a man from Kentucky who believed the doctrines of grace said, I think that could be improved a little bit. So if you've heard this song with slightly different words, I can understand. There's a line in this song that ties in with one of the songs. Which one are we studying tonight, Lord? 35. The man's alive. And he said 35. That's good. So, <clears throat> if you read Psalm 35, or if you're looking at it right now, see if you can tell me when I get through what part from this song makes me think about the text of the song. When I think of how he came so far from glory came to dwell among the lowly such as I to suffer shame and such Disgrace on my take my place. Then I ask myself this question Who am I? Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that he should pray? Not my will. My Lord, the answer I may never know. Why he ever loved me so, but to that old rugged cross he go. For who am I? I'm reminded of his words. I leave thee never. Yes, it's. True, I'll give to you my life forever. I'm sure there's nothing I could have done to deserve God's only Son to fight my battles until they're won. For who am I? Who am I that a king would bleed and die for. Who am I that he should pray, not my will, thine Lord? The answer I may never know, why he ever loved me so. But to that old rugged cross he'd go, for who am I? Maybe you heard it a little bit different. I think everybody has recorded it so a little bit different. Yeah, there's one line that says, just believe and I'll give you life for you Chinese death line. I didn't. Somebody <laughs> Okay. 
seems to me I heard one version where it says, I wonder what I could have done to observe, deserve God's holy son. That would be right either, because we don't do anything to deserve the love of Christ. That's why this says, I know there's nothing I could have done. Any idea what in that song would be inspired by? Psalm 35. I'll give you a hint, you don't have to read far in the psalm. Anybody? You'd say verse 3. Well, like the man said, that's a good scripture. But it's before verse 3. You are right on the money, sir. What part of verse 1? That's the start of it. Notice what he says at the end. Fight against them that fight against me. There are two worldviews about God and man and man's need. One view says, the Greeks coined this one, the gods help those who help such. And by extension, that basically means you got to kind of help God out. But I have titled this The God Who Fights Our Battles. I hope you can see why. Let's read through all 28 verses of this song. <clears throat> Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. He doesn't say, help me fight against them. He asks the Lord. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devised my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery, and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at unawares, and let his net that he hath hid catch himself into that very destruction, let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord, it shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which deliverest the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. False witnesses did rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned 
into mine own bosom. I behave myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. But in mine adversity they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and ceased not. With hypocritical mockers and feasts, they gnashed upon me with their teeth. Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions, my darling from the lions. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. Neither let them weep with the eye that hate me without a cause. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. Yea, they open their mouth wide against me and say, Aha, 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 I have seen it. This thou hast seen, O Lord. Keep not silence. O Lord, be not far from me. Stir up thyself and awake to my judgment, even unto my cause, my God and my Lord. Judge me, O Lord my God, according to thy righteousness, and let not them rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Ah, so would we have it. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at my hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. I know I say this a lot of times, folks, but this is a mouthful. This song. It's got a lot of great stuff in it. But as I have studied this, what leaps off the page to me is how that this accents the God who fights our battles for us. That's a joy and a rejoicing should be to us because, folks, you and I get in struggles against the devil. We can't win. We can't win. Jack Duplishin and, I, Jack Duplishin and Marsh and I were in a restaurant in Memphis, Tennessee a few years ago. And the waitress, she had one of those WWJD bracelets. Y'all remember those? You know, what would Jesus do? That's a good motto. And she says, I like this, but you know, if you turn it around the other way, it's a uh, devil just won't win. So that's a good one coming and going. But it's not because we're so smart, we're so strong, we're so spiritual. It's not because we are clever enough to beat the old devil. Had a little boy in a class I taught. He said, we learned a song in our Sunday school. The devil is a sly old fox. If I could catch him, I'd put him in a box. And I said, Joel, how are you going to put the devil in a box? How are you going to do that? I'm just going to punch him. I'm going to hit him. I'm going to clobber him. I'm going to... No, no. 
the weapons of warfare is spiritual. We need to know that we're no match for the devil on our own. We don't have to be. We have a great God. You look in the Old Testament. What do we read in Exodus 14? When Moses brought the Hebrews to the brink of the Red Sea. He didn't say, now folks, uh, hope you got some, something up your sleeve because uh, we're in a bad way here. No. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Who's going to save you? It's the Lord. Well, if I think happy thoughts, if I dig a hole, if I hide, if, no. Stand, see, and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses reminded the Hebrews of that many a time. And there was a man quite a bit younger than Moses, and he was Moses' helper. Later, he was referred to as Moses' minister, and his name was Joshua. When they came to the city of Jericho, the Lord didn't say, now here's what you do, Joshua. you got to get some munitions bin and put some dynamite charges under the wall. And we got some men who are going to dig holes under the wall. And we're going to fling some stuff over the wall. We're going to take them out because we're smart. We have the resources. And we're determined. No. You remember what God said? Take your folks and go around the city. They go back to camp. And I bet those folks at Jericho, what are those crazy people doing? I guess they got tired. I guess they got afraid. And they come out the next day. And the next day, and the next final, the seventh day, they go around seven times. I keep quiet. And then they lifted up the trumpets and they blasted away. And the Lord caused those walls to come down. It's God who gave them that victory. That's in the 6th chapter of Joshua. Turn with me please to chapter 10 of Joshua. And it's laid out so clearly. It goes right along with what we're seeing from this first verse of Psalm 35. Look at uh, chapter 10 and verse 14. This is when God said, as long as the sun's up, you get the victory and you know what? Sunday go down and they had a victory. Verse 14 says, There was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened to the voice of the men. For the Lord fought for Israel. It's not extolling the virtue and fortitude of man. It's the Lord who fought the victory. In the same chapter, Verse number 42. And all these kings of the land did Joshua take at one time. Why? How could that happen? Because the Lord God of Israel, uh, Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. That's why I like that line of the song, to fight my battles. 
until there was. I don't know how much Rusty Goodman knew about other things, but he knew something there to put that line in that song. The fellow who modified to make it more compatible with the teaching of grace did a fool with that part because that is so true. He fights our battles. Look at me also while you're in the book of Joshua, chapter 23. And here we have, toward the end of his life, Joshua reminding the Hebrews, just what did God do? How big a role did he play? You know, some people say, well, I think it's this percent God and this percent man. And some, no, no, it's not that much of God. It's more about a man. <clears throat> How did Joshua put it? Joshua 23, verse 3. And you have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. It's what the Lord did. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Does that get you excited? We don't have a whip God. We don't have a, hey, you're on your own, buddy, God. No. And drop down to verse 10. Talking about what's the future hold. One man of you shall chase a thousand. How could that be? Now, I'm not bragging on Texas, but I do know they have a saying. They have this group known as the Rangers. And they have a saying, one riot, one ranger. One ranger should be able to take care of it. Well, that's probably a bit optimistic. But one God is all we need. If it's the right God, if you're like those many prophets of Baal, oh, Baal, hear us, and all are yelling and screaming and cutting and getting exhausted, they didn't do a thing. There was no response. But when one man called out to that one true God, not only did fire come down from heaven, but it consumed the carcass of that bull and even lapped up the water. In the, usually water puts out fire, but in this case, the fire overcame the water. That's the kind of God we're talking about. After Joshua, in the book of Judges. In the book, book of Judges, it tells us a man named Gideon. God said, put together an army. Gideon, and you know he had 32,000 men in his army. That might not sound like much by our standards, but we're not fighting half continents at a time here. 32,000. And Joshua looks out there and he says, Lord, I'm, I'm concerned about the numbers. And the Lord says, you should be, but probably not for the right reason. What are you talking about? We've only got 32,000. What I'm telling you, son, is we got too many. 32,000? You mean we can? We don't need all these? Just tell them. If anybody's afraid, they can go home. No questions asked. Or well, we might lose some. We'll just see what happens. Now, fellas, I know you volunteered for this, but if, if you're afraid, you can go home. And uh, quite a few of them did, over two-thirds. They had 32,000, 22,000 went home. I'm sure if he was in the flesh, he's thinking, God made a mistake. 
and send all those folks home. Lord, I'm concerned about the numbers. Yes, you should be, but not for the same reason I'm thinking. Lord, uh, 10,000. How are we going to do We, I was wondering how we go with 32. And now you're saying 10,000. Here's what you do. Tell them to go down by the water and drink. And some of them, they did Get down on their belly and wallow around in there and slurp up as much as they could. But some of them made a cup with their hands. God said, keep the ones that drew from the water. Send the rest home. So they went from 32,000 to 10,000 to how many? 300. Wow. And there's a reason for that. He didn't want Gideon or the rest of Israel to we won that battle because we had so many men in the field. Jehoshaphat's army was victorious in much the same way we read about that in 2 Chronicles 20. Hezekiah had to encourage his people as well. And then even in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, there was opposition. And uh, even though old Sanballat opposed them, the people were encouraged to work. So no wonder it is when we read how that God sends them in. Verse 24 says, Judge me, O Lord my God, according to thy righteousness, and let not them rejoice over me. They're not going to rejoice over me because they're not going to have the victory over me. But make sure you add to that. The reason they won't have a victory over me is because he who is in the heavens, he fights my battles for me. We need to know that. They would not have the opportunity to rejoice over him. Now, that's an echo of what we saw the first verse in Psalm 30. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. I want you to think about the attitude of the wicked toward David in this. Their motives were they hated him. They wanted him destroyed. They would devise his hurt and destroy his soul. Their hate was without cause, it says in this psalm. And they said, we'll swallow him up. We're going to take him out. He's going to be a cipher. He's going to be history. And the methods they had against them, they were fighting against David, digging pits. They wanted to provide a false witness. All this stuff going on. They gathered against David. That's how the wicked were mindful toward David. But how is David toward the wicked? Did you notice that? He acknowledges that they were attempting to challenge. They were a confusion to him. And he prayed that the Lord would confuse the enemy, confound the, the enemy. He said, may they be punished according to their intent toward him. He said in verse 8, this is a familiar expression in Scripture. 
you know, the bad guy plots against the good guy, and he has his trap. Haman had his gallows, and guess what happens? The bad stuff doesn't happen to the good guy. The bad stuff happens to the bad guy. He gets snagged in his own trap. He gets hung in his own gallows, or on his own gallows, we should say. Verse 8, let destruction come upon him at unawares. I didn't see that one coming. You think when Haman woke up one morning and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a gallows built. You think it occurred, no, I better not do that. Things might be reversed. It might be me hanging on that rope. No. He had a green light. His wife and friends all said, great idea. He thought he had the ear of the king. Well, the king had his neck. That's the next story. Let his net that he had hid catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. I may, I may expand on that and tell you that the world calls it karma. But God calls it righteousness. We need to know that that's so. When David heard that the enemies, the ones who plotted against him, wanted him destroyed, he didn't say, boy, I hope they get a hurt put on them. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to dance on their grave and spit on their grave and rejoice that they got clobbered. They got what was coming to them. That's not David's attitude. Did you see that in verse 13 and 14? As for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. You know, we're told Romans 12, be not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. There are some people, I'm more Irish than anything else, so it kind of frosted me the first time I heard it. Somebody talked about the, the obituary column as the Irish comics, because some would read, ah, ah, well, I see old Sophia, he passed away. Oh, I see McGinnis is back. Oh, I'm alive out to Limited. Well, what do you know? No. Instead of digging at people and kicking them when they're down and laughing at their troubles, I'll tell you what, when you think of what the wicked do and the consequences that fall on there, we should pray for them. Lord, show them mercy. Now, that doesn't come natural. The natural man doesn't wish that God might go easy on but that's what we see in the godly minded folk I humble my soul with fasting it is a oh, time to have a big meal and celebrate <laughs> my enemy God crushed him like bugs no that's not his attitude and my prayer returned into my own bosom I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. You might not agree with me, but I think the most fiendish, foulest thing anybody did, any human ever did in this scripture, was when Judas Iscariot betrayed Christ Jesus. And he walked into the garden, and when he saw Jesus, and he gave him, give him that telltale kiss, Jesus did not say, you dirty dog. How dare you show your face here? No. You know what Jesus called Judas at that moment in time? 
prayer. Could you call a man wanting to turn you in? A man who wants to cut your throat? I remember one of these pirate movies I watched. It, and they, they took over a boat and they, they had this one guy, I think it was a captain, and they're thinking what to do with him. And one, oh, I say we slit his throat and throw him to the shots. See, the natural man wants to see the other guy pulverized, destroyed, just get rid of him and cause them as much pain and grief as possible. And yet Jesus sees Judas and he says, friend, why are you come? How could anyone doubt that there was something supernatural about Jesus. No wonder, hours later, the soldier in charge of the execution said, surely this man was the Son of God. While hanging, suspended between heaven and earth, Jesus didn't say, you people are going to pay for this. You're going to be sorry you were ever born. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It humbles me to think this. My mother naming me Stephen. She's wanted a good Bible name. And uh, when I read of Stephen, who in his life was being beaten out of him, he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. That's a Christian. You want to be like Christ? I want to be like Christ. I want to, I want to be rich. I want to walk on water. I want to be able to command the wind and the waves and the demons and all that. But there's another side. The one who humbled himself. The one who showed compassion. The one who wept at the grave of a friend. It's the same Jesus. And if you have the attitude that David had toward the wicked... It results in joy in the Lord. Verse 9, it says, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. My joy is not in my health or lack thereof, or my intellect or lack thereof, or my money or lack thereof, or the number of friends or lack thereof. No. My joy is to be in the Lord. Your joy is to be in the Lord. Because it's not a thing in this world you're going to take with you when you stop breathing. Same with me. We need to know that. Important as those two thoughts are, I want to focus on the last I have here. And that is, we can have assurance that God vindicates the righteous. The God who has never lost a battle fights the battle of his people. Want him fighting my battle, wouldn't you? Well, I think I can handle that. Have you ever dared to say, Lord, I got this one coming? You just take it easy. If that's not blasphemy, it's pretty close. I'll take all the help I can get. I'm glad when the Lord is there. Now, how does the Lord deal with? with the wicked, the ones who plotted against God's people. I think sometimes we're afraid God's not going to keep the books right. We're afraid God's going to stiff it. God's just going to let somebody get by with something. 
we find that many times in the Psalms where, Lord, I, it just seemed like people are getting away with murder here. And then one of the Psalms begins, fret not over the evildoer. The comeuppance is on its way. There's going to be a payday for them. How many times does the Lord say, vengeance is mine, I will repay. You see, it's God's job to clear the books. It's God's job to vindicate the righteous. You say, well, I don't want people talking wrong about me. I have to defend my honor, my reputation. Well, you know what? The Lord is better all the way around take care of you and your reputation. And besides, if I may say it, I don't mean any disrespect, but to put it in the simplest terms, that's, that's his job. That's his joy. That's his delight. And uh, plus it's his responsibility. I was oldest of three boys, so I didn't have too many occasions where uh, my brothers would want to push me around, but every once in a while I might think, well, you know, Dad didn't thump them for that, so I guess I'll thump them. They say, hey, it's my job. Our Heavenly Father says that too. The Lord will take care of that. And it might not be the way you or I would want it done. And life might not be when. But God will repay. He says, don't you try to do that. That's, that's my job. That's my task. He shows himself strong. All through the scripture, we don't have a wimpy God. We don't have a talk to the hand God. We don't have a, sorry, I'm out. Marcia and I were in a meeting once and a guy prayed. He says, Lord, Save so and so as soon as you can. Well, does the Lord have to? Does he have a quota, or or, or is, is he weak at sometimes? And we want to kind of head God out. There used to be a firm called Radio Shack. Some of you can probably remember they put out comic books for kids, and the comic book was to get the kids' attention. Wanted to sell computers, and of course, kids like. You know, superheroes. Who's more superhero than, than Superman? And so here's Superman, and he's going to get the bad guys. But you know what? They had kryptonite. They messed him up. And, and, and he, he couldn't, his mind couldn't work super fast like him. But they had the, the Radio Shack computers. They said, we'll help you out, Superman. Beep, beep, beep. We'll push the buttons here. And together, we'll make a great team. And that's the way a lot of people think about the Lord. Jesus and me, we got a great deal going on. As if they're 50-50 partners. No. It speaks of the angel of the Lord. That's another reference to our Lord Himself. He wields a sword that none can compare with. Well, that's how He deals with the wicked. We saw in verses 1, 2, and the first part of 3, what he says there. But look at the second part of verse 3, because the best part, how does he deal with the righteous? 
time after time, the Lord is our salvation. Remember Psalm 27? Wasn't that long ago? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength. The strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Do we really have anything to be afraid about? Well, this might happen. Nothing's going to happen that hasn't already passed the eternal purpose of God. We need to know that. We need to walk in that light. It's so easy to get thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You can get through because God is your strength, your shield, your fortress, your high tower. We run to His name and we are safe. He's the one who fights our battles for us. And so we saw that. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. That's God reminding us. We need to tell ourselves, I'm not my own Savior. This world is full of songs that say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pull this thing off. It's my life, my time, it's, it's my effort, and if I make the mistake, just like Mr. Sinatra and then later Mr. Presley said, I got the satisfaction of knowing I did it my way. Funny? Don't read that in the Scripture, do you? When Jesus was praying to His Father in the garden, He said, now, Father, I got this covered. I'll do it in my time, according to my plan and purpose. You just sit, you just watch, see how it's done. No, that's not the tone. Those aren't the words that Jesus spoke. He said, Father, if it be thy will, take this away. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's the sort of resignation we should have, not just on the day we die, not just when we're on a tight, we feel like I'm I'm between the sword and the wall. Nobody can help me but me. Nothing can happen except what I make happen. But it's the Lord who will take us up when all others will forsake us. It's the Lord when everything looks hopeless. Those Hebrews at the Red Sea, they didn't have a hole to hide in. They didn't have a blimp to take them away. They didn't have a shield. They didn't have any. Any hope, humanly speaking. And Moses says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord's going to save you. The Lord saves in His grand and glorious way. He many times does it in such a way, there's, there's no doubt, it had to have been the Lord. You ever been in a time where you realize, if, if I'm going to get through this, it's got to be the Lord. Guess what? He delights to show mercy. He delights to come through. It might seem like all is lost. I have no time. But yet, He sends grace to help in time of need. You know, every good writer of a mystery, they like to, the, the protagonist is in a tight, and it looks like they're going to have something horrible happen. And then just at the last moment, wow! Sure was lucky. No, it wasn't luck. Oh, they sure were smart. No, 
It wasn't as smart to it. Now the writers keep you on the edge, you see, because they like to have people focused. They want you to be there and, and get everything out of it. And they, oh, I, I didn't see that was going to happen. You, you watch these mysteries, one of who, who did, and you don't, you think you know, and five other people are talking, and everybody's got a different. <laughs> Sometimes it's somebody nobody thought, but God knows all of time. He knows the end from the beginning. You don't get anything over on him. That's why it says in verse 10, All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee? Does that sound familiar? If you ever went to church camp, that should be familiar. If you've ever read Exodus 15, that ought to be familiar. Who is like unto thee? Which delivers the poor from him that is too strong for him. Yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. Some people, I got a big brother. I got a helper. I got a guardian. I got a, a watch person, you know, bodyguard or whatever. All those people can make mistakes. Mr. Lincoln had a professional protector. In April of 65, that John Wilkes Booth was able to get in there and blow him away. I honestly don't know, and I don't know who anybody in the human race knows, even today, what caused the death of John F. Kennedy, but God knows. And you could have a gazillion Secret Service people out there. You ask these hardened criminals, they'll tell you, if somebody wants you dead bad enough, it's going to happen. Only if the Lord allows in that place, in that time, of that person. But I emphasized there in verse 10, who is like unto thee? Because we talked about Exodus 14, where Moses, before the flood that destroyed the Hebrews, after uh, destroyed the Egyptians, after he spared the Hebrews, he says, "Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord." And so, wall of water. The Hebrews go through on dry ground. The Egyptians said, "No words, we can do that." And so, they get out in the middle, and all the Hebrews were safe on the other side. Time for the miracle to come to an end and they were destroyed. And so the next chapter, chapter 15, they sang praise to God. <laughs> and look what we did. No, they didn't do it. They knew better. Don't you ever take the credit for something that is by the hand of God. And so they sang. They sang a great song. And in the 11th verse of Exodus 15, they sang... Who is like unto thee, Lord among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? That's the kind of God we serve. The God who fights our battles for us. I didn't ask Brother Dan to mention this morning, but I'm glad he did. And I don't find myself in a position to say, hey, stop later. Let's sing something real loud. 
real sturdy. Something that should get our attention. Now, I'm the last guy to say, boy, I just love to go to that sports activity. And my kids know that. The only time I went to sports games was because they were playing. And uh, uh, I have it. Now, how come they got three points for that one? How come that's this? And, you don't know much about this. <laughs> no, that's why I'm asking. But I guarantee you, there are some people, they will go to a game and, yeah, team! And then when they go to church, oh, how I love Jesus. Can't get excited now, you know. Somebody wins a lottery. Woo! Money! They get excited about that. God gives them life and breath and all things. And, yeah, that's how God works. I'm so glad. Really? That's why I want to close with the way the Lord closed this psalm, the last two verses. And I know one other person knows this. Maybe some of the rest of you do too. Let me go through this. 27 and 28. And then let's See if we can sing it together. And after that, after that, I'll ask God, Brother Jeff, to close us in prayer. Let's sing it. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. You want to join us now? Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise over the day long.